Let us pray. Shatter the silence, mighty God, with your glad and glorious greetings. Banish all our fears and give us faith in Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. If there is anything said from this pulpit that is against your will, let it come to naught and do no harm. But if there is anything said from this pulpit that is according to your will, let it be heard, as if sung by the voice of angels, that hearing we might believe, and believing obey. Amen. Who among us has never stood in need of a second chance? Maybe someone sits here today actually in need of a second chance. Is it you? Are you the one needing a second chance? Are you the one needing a second chance at some relationship? A second chance at a career? A second chance at happiness? A second chance with a relationship with your child, a relationship with God? Are you in need of a second chance in your relationship with God? Are you in need of that? Are you in need of a second chance at life? Is that you? If it is, you're in good company. Been a pastor for now almost 15 years. And lots of people come into your office and they need a second chance. But they look all kinds of different ways. The person that needs a second chance does not look one way. The person that needs a second chance, they have age and they don't have age. They have an education and they don't have an education. They have money and they don't have money. They have a reputation and they don't have a reputation. You don't know what a person that needs a second chance looks like, so I don't know. Is it you? Are you the one that needs the second chance? Sometimes we get in our minds that we know what a person looks like when they need a second chance. We can point them out. Those kids that, that are on the street in the city of Detroit, they need a second chance, right? Those are the kids that need, those are the people, that's what a person looks like when you need a second chance. But a person that needs a second chance, they don't look one way. I will say that those kids on the street, they do need one. I had, I had a chance to meet some of those kids on the street a few weeks ago, they do need a second chance. And I'm grateful for places like Covenant House, which offers shelter and service to those kids on the street, offering second chances to them. I met them because I was, I was cornered downstairs in Heritage Hall during coffee hour one Sunday. It was during a mission fair. I don't know if you remember. We had all kinds of tables set up and 
a couple of people came up to me, very persuasive people. They said, Nate, wouldn't you sleep outside to, to benefit as, as part of a fundraiser to benefit Covenant House in, in Detroit? They said, you know, it's Michigan. It might be cold. It might be rainy. It might be a blizzard. We can't guarantee what it's going to be like, but... It's for a good cause, and you are trying to get everybody to serve in November, so you really should do this. And I said, sure, why not? Sounds like Maine in the summer. Come on. So on November 21st, I grabbed my hat and my sleeping bag, and I drove downtown where I was given a cardboard box and an invitation to join in solidarity with those who live on the street. One night. The experience of sleeping outside in the city was one thing. The cold and the rain, that was no big deal. The hard ground, though, that will stay with me. I still think I'm working it out. But what will stay with me longer are the stories that we were told as part of the experience. See, before bed, we went on a bus tour of the city of Detroit, and that tour was narrated by a woman named Stephanie. Stephanie works for Covenant House, and she's the outreach coordinator. And this woman goes out into the city and she brings the kids from the street into Covenant House. She goes out to the warming shelters, and she goes out to the transit centers, and she goes out to bridges and underneath the bridges to call these children in and invite them to shelter and service at Covenant House. She told us about how many of the homeless youth actually have just aged out of the foster care system. They don't have a safety net. They don't have anywhere that they can call home, no place to go because they've aged out of that. She told us about how she goes to the hospital to find them because that's where they can get a bed. And if they say that they have a heart problem, they can stay for 24 hours because they need tests. She told us about how she goes to the worst part of towns, how one time she, she found some youth with this notorious drug dealer, and the drug dealer said, take this young girl with you. I'm too far gone, but she still has a shot. She doesn't belong here. Take her. She's working with this person to help this young person get off the street. She told us that if she sees a girl on the street, she looks around for a pimp because she doesn't want to get the girl in trouble. And so she'll go to her and she'll whisper, call me, and hand a small yellow card with the information for Covenant House. There was this one girl she found at Starbucks and she had blood all over her. 
And she said, can I take you with me? This is what Stephanie said. And the girl said, I'm waiting for my boyfriend. And Stephanie said, you know, your boyfriend can find you. I can't leave you here. And so she took the girl to the hospital where a nurse examined her. The young girl said that she was 17 and that she had run away with her boyfriend. And it was at this part in the tour that Stephanie told us that many young girls don't know the difference between trafficking and a boyfriend that's just having them sleep with other people. In this case, it turned out that the girl wasn't 17. The girl was 13 and was cognitively impaired and was being trafficked. So this is why I think that Stephanie is the kind of person that we're reading about in Psalm 122. She is one that invites the youth into this journey of the second chance, into the possibility of getting it right again. She is the one that says, like the psalmist writes about, she is the one that says, let us go. And for that, they are glad, and for that, we are glad that there are people in this world like Stephanie that will say, let us go. We can be glad. See, I imagine that's somewhat of what, like what is happening in the psalm today. The 122nd psalm is the third of 15 psalms that we call the Psalms of Ascent. Are you familiar with that package of psalms? It's helpful to know that those psalms are called the Psalms of Ascent. So when you read them, you know their context. The group of psalms from 120 to 134 were known to have been pieces of songs and prayers used by Jewish pilgrims as they made their way from their homes to Jerusalem for the pilgrim feasts. Passover, Shavuot, and Sukkot. They got up from their homes and they pilgrimed off to Jerusalem and as they did, they sang these psalms, the Psalms of Ascent, on the way can hear them singing this worship song. I was glad when they said to me, let us go up to the house of the Lord. Eugene Peterson reminds us that when you went to Jerusalem, you encountered the great foundational realities. God created you. God redeemed you. God provided for you. In Jerusalem, all the scattered fragments of experience, all the bits and pieces of truth and feeling and perception were put together in a single whole. There was something special about getting up and going to Jerusalem. You might just touch the foundational realities. And this is why the psalmist is so glad. This is the hope that they need, the hope that can't wait in their lives. Who knows what's going on in the life of the psalmist? Who knows what's going on in the life of the psalmist before receiving this invitation to come along? To touch the foundational realities of life. 
to come and get right again. Who knows what's going on in their lives? Maybe his spiritual health was gone because life had become so busy, spiritual health was gone. Maybe her self-respect was gone because she'd made a huge mistake in her life. Maybe his hope for the future was gone because the years had passed him by. Maybe her chance at making it was gone because she didn't make the right choice. Maybe he, maybe she needed a second chance. And so they're glad when someone finds them like Stephanie finds these young people, wherever they are, the psalmist is glad that he or she has been found where they are and invited, let us go and find God together again. That's my invitation to you, to us as a community. Let us go. And find God again together. Let's get right again with God this season. Maybe someone sits here today in need of a second chance. A second chance to get right again with God. Is it you? If it is, be glad because we're about to go on a pilgrimage together. We don't call it Passover or Shavuot or Sukkot. We call our pilgrimage Advent. Over the next four weeks, we're going to set off on this journey with these two young people who walk to Bethlehem for the census. He's nervous because he doesn't know what's going to happen there. She's young and unmarried, pregnant. They are far more like the youth that Stephanie finds than any one of us sitting here today. But we go with them because we know what Mary can't know just yet. And that is that she carries the one that will give each of us a second chance. No matter where we sleep at night, the same Jesus gives us the same chance. And one day, the one that she carries, he will go on his own pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And when he gets there, he will not be glad. He will weep for it. But his tears won't send him home. His tears will send him deeper into the city, to a trial, to a cross, to a tomb, into hell, and right back up into heaven. And as a result, his work 
connects us to a second chance that no part of the cosmos can disconnect us from. That's the gospel. And so, my friends, let us go together this Advent season alongside this couple. Let us get right again as part of our Advent journey. And for the sake of the second chance he offers us, let us be glad. Let us be glad. Amen.